What's up everyone, it's Peter Tragos, the lawyer you know, and today we're giving the people what they want with the most requested case by far in last week's live case-by-case -case video and in our community post, and that is the Depp v. Heard trial that is starting today in Virginia. And in today's video, we're gonna give a little bit of a background on the case, what I know and what I'm bringing into this case as a legal analyst and somebody that's gonna react to parts of this trial. We'll talk about how we're gonna break down this trial and the types of videos you can expect on this channel over the six weeks that this trial is expected to go. Um, but in today's video, as we talk a little bit about the background, we're gonna talk a lot about the public policy of defamation. We're gonna talk about the law of defamation. I'm gonna talk about why it is one of the least, percentage-wise, the least cases that I will accept when people call to try to hire us for a defamation lawsuit, a defamation cause of action, and why this case may be different, why these lawyers may be different, and how Cardi B's case may have changed the landscape. And at the very end of this video, we will give a little bit of an update as to how jury selection is going today, the first day of the actual trial, will they pick this jury? We'll talk about how that's going, we'll talk about how many jurors, um, how they may be getting off jury duty at this point and what they know about the case. But if you wanna follow along this case with us, make sure you hit the subscribe button and ring that bell so you get alerted every time we drop a new video on this Depp v. Heard trial, and make sure you like the videos on this trial so we know that the interest is there so we can keep bringing the content you're interested in. So first, what do I know about the facts of this Depp v. Heard case? Obviously, I know who Johnny Depp is and I know who Amber Heard is, but all I really know about them is they had a tumultuous relationship and they've had a media battle going on for basically the entirety of their relationship, especially after it ended. I know they both make accusations about each other. They both deny those accusations. And I know both of them have had kind of wins and losses throughout this legal battle, but I'm not really even sure which side won which legal argument at this point. So I know little to nothing about this case and about the facts as we start this defamation trial. And to me, I think that's a really interesting way of going into trial. It keeps me unbiased. I don't really necessarily favor one side or the other going into the trial. So I'm going to be able to listen to the arguments and the evidence presented and kind of determine what I think is viable and what I don't think is viable. And that is a really interesting way to go into it as a lawyer, because if I was going to be a juror on this case, this is the kind of juror I would want. Somebody who doesn't really have a strong feeling or pull one way or the other going into this case. Let me know in the comments if you're about where I am or if you feel like your mind is made up before we even hear a single piece of evidence. So with that understanding of what I know or don't know about the facts leading up to this trial, let's talk about how our channel is going to break down this case. We are going to watch the facts, the evidence, the arguments of the attorneys play out in real time and react to them and come into this case as a potential juror without any other knowledge. Now, we're obviously going to bring our knowledge about how the civil justice system works, the rules of evidence, and even the law on defamation, but we'll be able to apply it objectively and not necessarily bringing in what's happened in prior motions even, because a lot of cases we look at what happened in prior motions, prior arguments, what evidence allowed in, what evidence is not allowed in. But we're not going to do as much of that in this case, and I think it's going to be kind of a fun twist and a little difference of how we've handled some other cases. I'm not going to know if there was some damning evidence that the judge did not let in about Johnny Depp, let's say, just making that up, or about Amber Heard. I won't know that. I'm just going to judge it based off what the lawyers tell me in opening statements that the evidence will show, then what the evidence actually shows in each party's case in chief, and then how the lawyers tie it together in closing arguments. 
we're going to apply it to the law and take those facts and see if we think we know what's going to happen. Now, I have some ideas and feelings about what I think is going to happen just based off these legal arguments and causes of action and what normally happens in these kinds of cases, but I'm going to reserve most of that for the trial analysis and breakdown. But let's talk about defamation. We get questions about defamation all the time. We get potential clients calling in with defamation questions all the time, thinking they want to sue somebody for defamation. And most of the time we tell them it is so difficult to be successful in a defamation lawsuit because there are so, there's so much protected speech in America. And while that's a good thing for the most part, some people really struggle with it when they feel like somebody is lying about them in the community and they think it is affecting their work or their business or their livelihood. And that really is what you need for defamation. Somebody lying about you and causing you damages based on those lies. And they know that they're lying about you. And it's a fact that they're stating about you. So let's talk a little bit about what the state of the law is on defamation in Virginia. The elements of a defamation claim include publication of, that's element number one, an actionable statement, number two, with the requisite intent, number three. Those are the three elements, very vague, okay? But what is publication? It's putting it out there. It's a New York Post article. We have that in this case. We can pretty much check that off the box or check that box off. An actionable statement. So what does that mean? Well, the statement must possess the requisite sting to one's reputation. The Supreme Court of Virginia has previously stated that defamatory language is that which tends to injure one's reputation in the common estimation of mankind to throw shame and disgrace upon someone or which tends to hold someone up to scorn, ridicule, or contempt, or which is calculated to render him infamous, odious, or ridiculous. If language is merely insulting, offensive, or otherwise inappropriate, but constitutes no more than rhetorical hyperbole, then it does not possess the requisite sting to be considered defamatory. Very interesting. So we know we have it publicized, right? It's in a publication. It's out there in the media. I think it's pretty clear that what they've said about each other, even though I don't even know the specifics, it holds that requisite sting, right? And does it hold the requisite intent? That's something I don't really know. And we're gonna have to find out in trial. Does it hold that sting? And does it have the appropriate intent? And a lot of people that call me with this think that they meet all these elements. It's a little bit different in Florida, but we'll say, you know, it's publicized. They know that it's wrong. It's a certain kind of statement and it injures you. It causes you damages, not physically injures you, but uh, hits your livelihood, hits your pocketbook. So why don't we as a firm take many of these cases? Why don't we hear about more of these cases in the news? Well, the reason is the First Amendment. There is so much protected speech that just because you don't like what someone says doesn't mean it's defamatory. Just because someone says something about you and it causes you to lose money doesn't mean it's defamatory. We've seen cancel culture, right? Most people don't like cancel culture, and I agree with that. I don't like cancel culture. But sometimes when you find out something about somebody, it does make you not want to hire them, not want to use them, not want to watch their movies, right? Harvey Weinstein, for example, has been convicted of heinous crime. So I think he's an easy target to pick at this point. When you hear what he's been convicted of, I think it's reasonable for us to understand, let's not give him more money. Let's not go see his movies. Let's not promote how much of a genius he was. Let's not talk about how much we love him in the media anymore. Let's not give him awards. Now, those statements that people make about him publicly, and even that statement right there about his conviction of heinous crimes, that's going to hurt his pocketbook. That's going to make him lose money. 
I'm sharing it with more than one person. I'm publicizing it, right? On YouTube. But it's not defamatory. Why? Because it's true, right? We all know that the truth is a defense for defamation. But do you know what else is a defense for defamation? An opinion. A protected opinion. You are allowed to have opinions about people. We talked about this in the Dave Portnoy lawsuit about where it crosses the line between stating a fact as if it's true when you know it's false versus just having an opinion about somebody, calling somebody a scumbag, calling somebody a jerk, calling somebody worthless, calling them a hack, saying they're not very good at something. Those opinions are different than facts. And most defamation cases seem to turn on opinions. And here we go. Let's read a definition uh, in Virginia about protected opinion statements. A statement is generally not defamatory when it is dependent on the speaker's viewpoint, where the context of the statement and the positions of the people reading the statements would allow them to reasonably conclude that the statement was purely her own subjective analysis. That statement is not actionable. However, even opinion statements are actionable if they imply or, or assert an objective fact. So they need to apply or assert an objective fact. And so many times, people, that's very difficult to get to. So the truth and opinions and protected speech make defamation cases so difficult. But then we look at Cardi B, multi-million dollar verdict. She won. Yay. That case is the exception, not the rule. We have it obviously being publicized. We have the people saying it and publicizing it and defaming her, admitting that they know it's false. They know it's not true, yet they keep saying these facts about her. What she was, what she did at his job, what diseases she has, right? They're not saying they think she's risque or even calling her a defamatory word that begins with an S or a C. They're not even saying that because that would just be opinion, right? They're actually putting facts behind it. And they're implying or asserting objective facts with their opinion. That's what made a defamation. And they knew it was false. They admitted it was false. They were profiting off of it. And she was damaged by it. She was losing money by it, Cardi B, as a celebrity. So that's the exception, not the rule. We don't usually have all of that background knowledge that somebody's saying these facts that they know are false, they admit they're false, and yet they keep making money off of it and keep saying it over and over again in the media. That's why it's the exception, and I don't think it's really going to change the landscape of defamation cases, even for celebrities. Now, celebrities, it's a lot easier, like Johnny Depp can say, I lost roles, I lost money because of this, and Amber Heard can say the same thing. They both were damaged because of this, but it doesn't mean that what was said about them was defamation. The he said, she said, and we don't like each other, and I'm going to say my husband did this or my wife did that in a divorce case in a domestic violence kind of injunction situation. I'm going to make these statements. I'm going to argue against them. I'm going to say they're not true. People are going to have to make decisions. Juries are going to have to make calls. But when juries and judges make calls on these cases, they're not necessarily determining factually that somebody lied. There are different burdens of proof that they can find one side does not meet. It doesn't mean what the other person said is a lie and is now defamation or is now even perjury. Now, sometimes criminal defendants can walk their way into perjury based on what they say because the jury doesn't believe them, but not always. That's what makes these defamation cases so difficult. So why would these lawyers take these cases? 
the Heard and Depp case. Why would they take that? Well, the first is obvious, the notoriety, the publicity, representing celebrities, right? That's great. But notoriety, notoriety only takes you so far. You can't live and eat off of notoriety. Sometimes you can, but, you know, it doesn't pay the bills, as they say. Well, I don't know this to be a fact, but I am just guessing, based on what we see around us and knowing the parties involved, I would be willing to bet, and this is an opinion, that these lawyers are both being paid hourly. And if you're being paid hourly, a lot of lawyers will take cases that they might not necessarily feel are the strongest cases in the world. I'm not saying that about these lawyers. They may feel like they have a really strong case. But lots of lawyers, you can know how they feel about your case as to whether or not they'll take it on a contingency fee basis. And 99% of the time, we are only going to take a defamation case on a contingency fee basis. If we believe in it, we believe the damages are severe and are real and are certain and not speculative. We're going to take that case on a contingency fee basis, fight for our client, and we're only going to get paid if we win. And our fee is going to be dictated by how large of a settlement or a verdict we get. We believe in that case and that fee. We've talked about before cases where there are hourly lawyers on both sides. What do we expect to happen? We expect the case to drag out forever. We expect there to be tons of discovery, tons of motion practice, tons of hearings, tons of delays. And we expect the trial to take longer than it needs to take. They're saying this is going to be a six-week trial. Well, Johnny Depp already had a trial um, in another country against the Sun newspaper that was, I guess, somewhat similar to this, and it only took three weeks. Well, maybe this one will only take three weeks, but right now they're setting it for six. Because if you're billing hourly, the more work and the more time you spend on the case, the more money you get. Not the better the outcome for your client. Which is why I'm always a little bit skeptical on how cases are litigated. I'm not saying every lawyer that bills hourly is is, um, unethical or doing things wrong at all. I'm just saying it seems to happen when both sides are hourly that the case takes longer and is litigated a certain way. So we will see how it happens here. Today is day one. Now the trial hasn't technically started, but jury selection has started. And that is the beginning of every trial. In my opinion, if you're a trial lawyer, the trial begins with jury selection. When you tell the judge how many days the trial is going to be, you include jury selection. I've had some people debate with me on here whether or not it's day one of trial. Technically, if they're picking a jury, I will stand by and continuously argue that that is day one of the trial Not day one of the evidence, but day one of the trial is jury selection. That's what's happening right now. And as you can expect, a lot of people are being dismissed because they know too much about the case. They know too much about the parties. But also, the majority of people being dismissed so far I've seen is because they have conflicts and they can't make it work for a six-week trial. That is what's being projected and told to them at this point. This trial may last six weeks, and a lot of people are getting off the jury because they're not able to handle that. But then there are also a lot of jurors I'm hearing that say that they know a little bit about the case, but what they know about the case does not make them partial to either side. They can sit there, listen to the evidence and decide this case on an impartial basis, not bringing whatever they know about the case in to color what they think about a potential verdict or any potential claims between the parties. And I actually think that's possible in this case. I think there's a way to come in and just say, I don't agree with either side. I just want to see what happens and I'm going to make my decision based on this evidence. That's how we're going to come at the case. That's how I hope you will. And let me know in the comments kind of how you're coming into this case. And let me know if you have any preliminary questions about this case to get to. But I think it's going to be really fun to look at this case and look at this trial through this lens 
and be able to break down the pieces of it. We're going to maybe take opening statement, some direct of some witnesses, some cross of some witnesses. We'll do some, you know, kind of week-long trial updates and see who we think is winning at this point. But we really want to interact with you, the audience, see what you think, see what parts of the trial are most interesting to you, see what parts of the trial you'd like me to react to and dig into specifically as a civil trial lawyer. These are the exact type of cases we handle, even though a good defamation case is few and far between. We have litigated them before and we've tried lots of jury trials, obviously in civil court. So let me know what you want to know and what parts would be most interesting to you in the comments. But for now, that's all we've got for our primer and introduction to the Dep v. Heard trial starting today in Virginia. Thanks for watching this episode of The Lawyer You Know. If you like this content, please share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to our page and like our videos. If you want some interaction, get in the comments and we'll be sure to get back to you. If you want to know any more information about our firm or this page, you can find out in the description or visit tragoslaw.com. We post multiple times throughout the week, so make sure you hit that bell so you can get the notification and not miss out on the next episode.